You're listening to Sibling Talk, commentary from a progressive point of view. Now here are your hosts, John Paulette and Mary Jo Tumer. Hello, I'm John Paulette. And I'm Mary Jo Tumer. Mary, I have kind of a civics question for you. Let's assume that it's a presidential election and you have a choice between two persons. One, virtually every scholar, historian, and most common people uh, believe to be the most unqualified person who has ever held the office. He has been demonstrated to lie freely. People even counted the number of lies that, uh, that he told. He botched the handling of a major uh, health crisis, all these things. And you could choose him, or as Bill Barr has said, it's a binary choice. You could choose the other guy who, even though he's qualified and has a long history, he doesn't agree with you. He's ideologically on the other side. And we're going to put one of these in the most powerful job on earth. I Do you have any kind of feeling who we ought to lean to, or as our grandmother would say, where should we tilt to? (laughs) You know, (laughs) we've talked about this over the last four or five years, which is if the shoe were on the other foot, meaning if, if the Democrats, and we're both professed Democrats, at least progressives, um, had the uh, anti-democratic, uh, unqualified, maybe crazy guy, um, and the Republicans had the normal, let's say, a George Bush the first kind of um, candidate, would we be so tribal as to still vote for the crazy Democrat against someone who's acceptable, but who we don't agree with? And I think both you and I have come down on the um, side of, I've never voted for a Republican for president, but I could to save the Republic. So yesterday, um, and such a refer to Bill Barr, was being interviewed by Chuck Todd. And I've seen a version of this interview multiple places since he's, Bill Barr is hawking a book he wrote where he's been asked this question and he says, I don't want Trump to be the nominee for the Republican party and I won't vote for him in the primary, but if he's the Republican candidate, I would vote for him against any Democrat. And I just think, John, that that indicates something about that's more than tribalism, that it's such a fear of, liberal, um, what he would say would be like liberal elites, but I think a fair way to say would be the liberal political order. And that doesn't mean economically liberal. That just means a kind of liberalism. And his politics is, is beyond conservative. It's so retrograde that Trump is better than even Joe Biden. I, and I have to tell you, I simply don't understand. I, even just in the matter of Joe Biden, 
We're not talking about Bernie Sanders. You know, Joe Biden, absolutely. Is he liberal? Is he to the left? Yeah, of course he has had a career of that. Is he a crazed liberal progressive? Joe Biden's pretty centrist, I think. Well, that's what we think. That's what we think. You're right. I don't think that that's someone that someone like Bill Barr thinks that. And keep in mind that Bill Barr, um, he's a very, very conservative Catholic, which is a frame to see this in. So Joe Biden does support abortion rights. He supports LGBTQ rights. He supports all kinds of what we see as kind of mainstream progressivism, not that big of a deal because it's just reflecting what is. They see that as a threat. I mean, someone like Bill Barr sees that as a threat to the white, and I'm sure he doesn't see himself as a racist. Do you know what I mean? But the the kind of the white male order that's been in power throughout this country and should not be disturbed. Whereas Joe Biden's view of the universe is we're a multicultural, um, multi, um, it's, it's even more than multiculturalism. You know, it's like there are let a thousand ideas flourish kind of country. And Barr does not fundamentally agree with that type of not just political order, but social order. No, he doesn't. And, you know, I have trouble uh, assigning any credibility to not only Bill Barr, but the people like him. But I'll, I'll stay on Bill. You know, he's, he's got this book he's got to sell. So he's out doing interviews with Lester Holt, Chuck Todd, uh, Savannah Guthrie, and, and so forth. And in the book, he talks freely about how ill-qualified Donald Trump was, how much his temperament and character was unfit for the position. But you know what bothers me? It's not even enough uh, that now in the book and on the speaking tour, he's saying these. He sat in office when he knew a dangerous man was running, running the country. He knew that. And in his interviews, oh, he parses this incredibly. Well, I, I didn't know it on Wednesday, but I did know it on Tuesday. I'm not certain, uh, you know, exactly when it came on me. And, you know, specifically what I'm talking about is he wants to make this distinction that everything was okay up to the election. And then after the election, uh, Trump spun out of control. Man, history just does not hold that up at all. And so, you know, I find him to be duplicitous. I find him to lack the honor and the integrity that uh, an attorney general should have had. Yeah, in normal people's world. But you know, John, it's interesting. I, I, I've not read the book, nor will I, because I wouldn't give that guy a dime because I find him, you know, particularly despicable but um, or deplorable, as someone might say. 
But I do wonder, as he tells the story and the moment it dawns on him that he needs to tell Trump, you lost the election, and then he leaves, whether Barr started to realize that there were criminal, um, there was a con criminal conspiracy going on, and if he stuck around, he would also be tainted by it, or, you know, not tainted is even too weak of a word, that he be implicated in it. And that was the step too far for him. In other words, he can support all the crazy, but when he's starting to see as an experienced lawyer, oh my God, there's going to be criminal um, charges attached to this crazy stuff they're doing. I got to get out. Because remember, John, now this is his telling of the story. He had given Trump his um, resignation early in December. Trump accepts it. And then someone follows him out to the parking lot and like, please, please don't leave. And it's not until I think Christmas Eve that he finally writes the letter that ends up being his final resignation. And he said yesterday on, Ch on uh, Meet the Press that he thought once to the reason that timing happened, he thought once December 14th happened that everyone accepted. Okay. All right. The states have certified. There's nothing more that can be done here. And when they kept talking about trying to decertify the election, that's when he realized that, you know, he couldn't do any more good there. And that, I mean, there's a logic to that. What he's saying that 10 days later, he's like, I can't talk these people out of this stuff. Or, I mean, I've never been around anything close like this, but you can imagine that you're like around people that are, you know, planning some kind of um, coup or something, you know, like some criminal activity. And you're like, don't do that. Guys, don't do that. You decide to walk when you realize they're going forward without your advice. Um, despite your advice. That's what I, that's what the way he sounds to me. I don't know that because I don't know the guy, but that's the way I kind of heard it. Well, I think your description's good. Exactly that pattern of activity, behavior, uh, is what I'm objecting to. Finally, after everything, uh, Christmas Eve, somewhere in there, it comes to you, no. Not even the Electoral College is going to stop this. These guys are plotting something more that is illegal. I get that you leave at that point. But why don't you go straight to CBS News and sit down and say, I need to raise an alarm. There is a plot going on to overturn this election. What if, just what if, Mike Pence hadn't stood in the way and the whole election had been tied up if the John Eastman plan had worked instead. Gosh, Bill, you don't think you should have said something to, to us? You had information, and you should have warned the, warned the country. And you can sit there all comfortable right now and say, well, it didn't happen. You didn't know that was what was going, going to go on. I find this to be an act of incredible cowardice. Honestly, and you know, the thing is, it was consistent with his behavior all the time he is engaged with the Trump administration. 
And I mean, going back to when he wrote the letter in a sense, trying to get the job, right? Because remember how he ends up as attorney general is he writes a letter saying the whole uh, Mueller thing was, you know, illegal. It wasn't permissible. And after Trump fires uh, Mr. Magoo, he then says, okay, I want that bar guy. So Barr solicited the job, comes into the job, protects Trump all the way through, including during the first impeachment, right? He's still his loyal soldier. And now we know the connection from the first impeachment to what's happening in Ukraine today, or at least it's assumed there's a connection. And then during the second impeachment, Barr never goes to McConnell, for example, and says, dude, you got to rally your troops to vote to impeach, you know, to convict this guy. So he's never, never able to run for president today, even on Barr's own um, kind of uh, construct, which is, I never want to see Trump run for president again. He had power potentially to stop that. I mean, he and McConnell could have sat in a room and said, all we need is 10 votes or however many it was, 15 votes. McConnell deliver the votes. But instead he keeps quiet. This is the thing about these people that is so despicable to use that word again. They keep quiet until they can write a book. And then they go out on TV so self-satisfied, like here I am doing the right thing, telling you the truth. And their truth is so hollow. Well, it is. And, you know, we always question why, what goes on. I had somebody ask me not too long ago, you know, do you think Trump had something on people like Barr or so forth? I don't. Earlier in this podcast, I think you hit it directly. And that is, Bill Barr is one of the ultra-Catholics. And for ultra-Catholics, there is one issue. And that one issue is abortion. I guess maybe two issues put the LGBT to it. But abortion for them is the overriding moral imperative. And so anything else is permissible if you are following the prime directive, the absolute imperative. And so by the time that Bill Barr sits down to write his, his book, that's all been accomplished in his mind. Amy Coney Barrett is on the uh, court. Uh, judges have been delivered. Uh, he, in his mind, thinks, well, I've lived through the stink of Trump. Nothing really terrible happened. And we accomplished what we set out, out to do. The reason I wrote that letter to try and become attorney general was not my per personal craving for power. It was to accomplish that prime moral imperative. And I think that's what drives him. I, I, wow, that's so intense because if you're him, you can say to yourself, I can stand before the pearly gates and yep. say, God, I did what you asked me to do. Regardless of the, the consequences, I have saved the fetuses. Absolutely. And he can sing. 
Here I am, Lord. Oh my Lord! Now don't Is don't ruin it? that song for me, John. Oh, really? Okay, you liked it up till then. Huh? Oh my okay. God! All right, have a All good right. week. Bye. Talk to you. Bye. Sibling Talk is a JMP production. Theme song by David Paulette.